soon as these wreaths went up, I felt, okay, now we can start celebrating Christmas. You know, I heard a lot of people complaining about, oh, the Christmas decorations were up already before Thanksgiving and just pushing it too fast, too hard. And I thought, I'm just going to enjoy whatever comes. And here we go today. We got our wreaths up and we're uh, enjoying Christmas. So actually, I have a Christmas message I want to bring today. Um, I love Christmas. I lost my love for Christmas when I was in a big church and ha- was responsible for the Christmas programs. And every weekend had to have a uh, like a big thing, you know, songs and special choirs and, and quartets and solos and all kinds of stuff. And then we had to have a big program with acting and stuff like that. And those things are so stressful, so stressful. I, I got to a point where I did not like Christmas. But then I have resigned from that place and now I'm here and I have fallen in love with Christmas again. Christmas is so great. Uh, that time of celebrating Jesus coming to earth. And uh, I'm so glad I get to celebrate with you guys. I love this church. I love our team. Christy and Feast, you guys are the best. As I was sitting there praying during worship, I was thinking, we are so blessed in our church to have such quality musicians that could be, they could be, you know, in, in the biggest churches of Denver and uh, fit right in with those uh, professional musicians. But here we are just enjoying the ministry of music. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. And I was telling Feast before this morning, I'm so, I'm so glad to be able to stand with him in, in service and worship of the Lord. He's helped so much. And I feel so, I feel confident. I feel strong, uh, cause we're side by side. I bless you, brother. I appreciate you so much. So today I want to bring this message. I'm calling it Joseph number two, the other dreamer. Now I did a little Bible quiz earlier. Do you know who I'm talking about? Joseph number two? Who is that? Who's Joseph number one? Okay, Joseph number two is, is the, is the carpenter who raised Jesus. Joseph number one is the dreamer from Jacob's son, right? Uh, Jacob and his brothers went into Egypt and all that. That's Joseph number one. This is Joseph number two. And I call him the other dreamer because the first Joseph wasn't, isn't he called the dreamer? And Bill reminded me of the play, uh, Joseph and the amazing technicolor dream coat. Yeah, there was a play written about that, Joseph. And he had the coat of many colors, and and he was a dreamer. And God brought to fulfillment the dreams that he had given Joseph. And today, I want to look at this other dreamer, a different kind of dreamer, different kind of dreams. But I want to say part of the reason I want to bring this message is to declare a release of dreams in our congregation, to declare it to receive it, and to let the prophetic dreams of God begin to come to you. Starting tonight, (laughs) you go to bed or you take a nap this afternoon and God shock you with a dream. I don't want to, you know, give anybody a stroke or a heart attack or anything, but I really do want to, I do really want to be open to the miraculous, to the dreams of God. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today in this message. So dreams, visions, danger and rescue, the miraculous, This was the first Christmas. This was the kind of times they were in. Now, in the different versions, the different Gospels, we see a different version of Christmas. The book of Matthew is written 
primarily from Joseph's perspective. Don't know if, uh, you know, how the, how the gospels were actually done, whether Matthew himself, who wrote it, somehow knew about Joseph, uh, had, had talked to him or whatever. They, they actually lived not too far from each other in Israel. Uh, Matthew did his work up around the Galilee and Nazareth is not far from Galilee. It's possible that they had known each other. Uh, but certainly, uh, this Gospel of Matthew shows, it shows the Christmas story from Joseph's perspective and it shows the danger. It shows the flight to Egypt. That's not in any other Gospel. It shows, uh, the wise men. That's not in the other Gospels either. It shows all these things that were important to Joseph. And it shows about his dreams. The Gospel of Luke, whose perspective do you think that is shown through? Mary. That's right. It's much more of the woman's perspective. The, I mean, in there you get the shepherds coming. In, in the Luke version, you have the going to the temple and having him dedicated. And you get a lot more touchy-feely stuff. It's very female. The Luke Gospel. The, the, the Matthew Gospel, this is, it's all, you know, there was danger and I had to rescue them kind of stuff. So, and the Gospel of John is is much more theological. Mark just blows right by it and doesn't even talk about it. <laughs> Mark's like, let's get straight to the action. It starts with the baptism of Jesus. Um, but I'm so glad we have all these different accounts of the Christmas message. And the Joseph one, the Matthew one, is the one we're going to start with as we go into our Christmas season. And I'd like to just look at the story. If we could just, uh, I want to just read it and have you guys read along with me, okay? It's a good story. Now, the birth of Jesus happened this way. While his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they came together, now what that means, that's a euphemism for before they had sexual relations together. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband-to-be, was a righteous man, and because he did not want to disgrace her, he intended to divorce her privately. When he had contemplated this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because she, uh, because the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you... Joseph will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This all happened so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from the sleep, he did what the angel of the Lord told him. I just want you to say that phrase with me. He did what the Lord of the Lord told him. Let's do it again. He did what the angel of the Lord told him. This is the best part of the message right here. He did what God told him to do. He did it. He woke from the dream and he did it. I lost my place. Um, I just got too excited. And when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did what the angel of the Lord told him. He took his wife He took her to be with him as his wife, but did not have marital relations with her until she gave birth to a son whom he named Jesus. What a great story. The dramatic forces of life 
moving in. God crashing into this couple's life and disrupting everything. Have you noticed that God is a little bit disruptive? Is that okay with you? (laughs) It's going to have to be. (laughs) It's going to have to be. Because that's how God works. He shakes you up. He shakes you up. And you will find that he really, he really disturbs your life. So just in summary again, the first Christmas was, came with visions, dreams, angelic appearances, miracles, danger, protection. You know, if you look through the Bible, you learn something about miracles. They tend to happen when God is doing something. Uh, Here's what I mean. They happen when they're needed to pull off what God wants to do. So, for example, um, Israel escaping out of Egypt. Some of those miracles that Moses did have never been repeated, and they're the most dramatic miracles that you ever will see. I mean, the water parting and three million people walking through, that's a miracle. That's a big deal. And you'll, if you read some of the liberal theologians, they try to explain that away with, you know, natural occurrences and stuff. But man, the man stood over the water, held out his staff, and it divided, and these people walked through. But that happened because, I mean, we focus on the miracle. Right behind them was an army ready to kill them. They were in the midst of danger and needed deliverance. That's when the miracles come. I know in my life, I've seen more miracles when I've put myself out there and I'm on the edge. And it's like, if this miracle doesn't happen, we're in trouble. That's how it's happened with me. I I do think this is how God does it. So um, I just want to say, folks, you want miracles? Okay, you're going to have to get on the edge. You're going to have to get close to the edge to see them happen. You're going to have to put yourself out there and start evangelizing, start saying things that you're too afraid to say, start interacting with people that you normally wouldn't interact with, and God's going to respect your faith as you step out there, and His miracles are going to come. I'm not saying those are the only times miracles happen, but that's when you see them most. Or if He's up to something, and He's going to pull it off, and I say, let it come, Lord, let it come. So, Many forces, this is the next slide, many forces were seeking to destroy the Messiah. I just want you to take a little look at them right now. Joseph could have had Mary stoned for adultery. That could have happened. He had a legal right to that. And by the way, I, I should do more research on this, but you know how the the, um, <clears throat> the Pharisees wanted Jesus executed? They wanted him crucified. And Pilate said to him, you go ahead and crucify him yourselves. And they said, we can't do that. We can't execute somebody ourselves. It has to be done by the Roman government. I think that was for men. I don't think the same rule applied for women because I think it could have happened. I think Joseph could have had Mary uh, stoned for adultery because that was in the law. In the Old Testament law, anyone committing adultery, that's... uh an offense worthy of stoning to death. He could have just abandoned her uh, to let her figure it out. He could have, um, but he had a dream. God gave a dream, and that dream changed everything. He was a good man and wanted to do it in a good way, wanted to take, you know, be righteous in the way he dealt with her. But uh, another, another time later, a couple years later, Herod tried to kill the baby. The forces of Satan tried to have the baby killed. 
and God gave Joseph a dream, and he escaped to Egypt. Joseph had to guide his family through all these trials. Joseph was the man God chose to take care of his son. Isn't that amazing? So, in my next slide here, Joseph could have left her. He finds out she's pregnant. We don't know if he heard, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. You know, okay, Joseph would say, whatever, Mary, I just, you know, that I've never, that's a new one. I don't know that one. Never heard that one before. And in his mind, he's saying, you know, I don't want to make a big deal of this. I don't want to bring shame on her. I'll just divorce her quietly. Now, in, in the first century, they would, um, have <clears throat> done the legal arrangement for the marriage. It's when the father, the family of the bride, gets together with the family of the groom and they make the contract. And this is a year before they get married. I don't know if in, in the African culture, if once you have that ceremony, is that considered like a legal thing that this couple is now married? Um, they haven't had the wedding yet, but they're now married. And they, that has to be broken legally if they decide not to get married. Yeah. You, you can't break that apart. It's like a, it's like a marriage, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a similar deal in the, in the African culture today. Uh, and I, this just happened in Feast's family. His, his brother Feaston just got married to a girl, but I know months ago, maybe a year ago, they were talking about, they were negotiating about the price that Feaston would have to pay for his bride and all those kind of things. They went through all that. Well, you know, in our culture, it's much more simple. You know, he buys the ring. <laughs> he gets, he gives her that ring. And if she doesn't want to marry him, eventually they get in a big fight. What's she do? She throws the ring at him and it's over. Right? That's what happens. <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's so like nothing. But Mary and Joseph were engaged and it's while they were engaged that she gets pregnant with Jesus. And so Joseph is standing there going, this is just too much. This is just too, too much. And in order to break off the relationship, he had to have a legal divorce, even though they weren't married yet and there was no sexual relation between them at all. Because, you know, what are people going to say? Oh, yeah, Joseph, sure. You've been sleeping with Mary, and now she's pregnant, and you're just trying to cover it up. And so it's shameful for him. It's shameful for her. Boy, it makes you wonder, do you want God active in your life? You know, he can scare you with what he's going to do. Um, in my research, I read that Joseph actually, by the religious community, would have been obligated to divorce her. It's like... You're a righteous man. You cannot follow through on this with this woman because she is unholy, she's impure, and you will tarnish your life. You have to divorce her. That's what the advice he would have been given by the religious community. But, so he's trying to think, okay, I guess I have to. To be a good man, I have to divorce her. But then that's when he gets his dream. And that's the next slide here that I just really want to point out. Joseph like you and me, need a revelation. We're trying to do the right thing. We're trying to follow God's way. And we can be as good as we can be, but we still need a revelation from God. We have to have His revealing of Himself to us to take us to the next step, to move into the miraculous. And folks, 
I feel like that's where we are as a church. I'm starting to get kind of excited about us as a church. We have had some really, really good things happen. I feel like we're a good church. I feel like we're good people. And we're trying to live holy and righteous before the Lord. Although I have to say, Feast, that was right on message last week about repentance. Uh, in the afternoon service, the people were so responsive to that. It really, boom, hit the bullseye. It was good. Thank you, Lord. Now, Joseph, from start to finish, we see this man of highest quality and character, a character we should emulate. But even with all his self-restraint and godliness, he still needed a revelation, a dream from God in order to go on the right path to do the right thing. We've got to have it, folks. We've got to have the dream. We've got to have the revelation. God is beginning to stir up things in our church. I just have to tell you, did you share last week about the about Kyle? Kyle, the husband of Alyssa, um, who, who they were sitting over here in the in the service and how in the Holy Spirit conference. And he <laughs> was in a restaurant. Do you remember this? He's in a restaurant and saw the waitress limping and felt like he needed to pray for her. And he just went over and he prayed for her. And he asked her, can I pray for you? She goes, okay, whatever. And he does. And he just prayed a little half-sentence prayer. And she looks up at him and she says, what did you do to me? Because she felt something. And he just said, it was Jesus, not me. And he walked away. I love that. I totally love that. So we are in a time where, uh, and in our council meeting uh, last week, we were talking about God's miracle power in our church. And it seems as though God is healing shoulders right now. Kyle himself had a separated shoulder from a motorbike accident. And it was badly separated. And in, he was in a lot of pain. And someone prayed for him. And he himself had seen the x-ray and seen how damaged it was. The next week, he, he was with somebody at a soccer game or something who was a physical therapist. And they said, can I explore your arm? Can I check it out? They'd been talking about what was going on. And she felt it and she moved it around. And she says, oh, well, obviously there's been no damage to the ligaments or tendons. And the truth is they were badly damaged. God had healed them. Now there was still pain. Last week, Bud Bally, uh, he was in a shoulder harness. He's had some surgery on his shoulder. Um, and the doctor had said to him, it's not healing. It's not healing properly. So what Bud has done is just gone for prayer everywhere. He went forward for prayer last week after the service. And he's been asking everybody to pray for him. <laughs> and he, he said last week, I don't know what happened, but it's feeling really good right now. Judy had a thing with her shoulder where she is being prayed for. And now she has motion. These, these things God is doing. I think Donna's being touched and healed in her shoulder. She couldn't lift her arm above here, but this morning she was going like this. Thank you, Lord. God's healing in various ways and in with various people. But it's like little by little, uh, Don Douglas, after our council meeting, when we were talking about God's healing shoulders, uh, Don said, you know, that's really cool because um, he said, that's really cool because um, the shoulder is the most complicated uh, structure in your body. And doctors are always trying to figure out how to heal the shoulder. But God's beginning to touch our people. I'm excited about this. And it's because, it's because we're hungry. It's because we're looking for God to do something. We don't, aren't just going to be satisfied with going to church, going home, going back to church, going back home. That's not good enough. I mean, that's, that's Joseph being righteous. We need a revelation. We need something more. Are you with me? 
Okay, I'm excited up here. You guys join me, okay? In the next slide, we do need to be people of character, like Joseph. Joseph, consider the need of others as more important than your own. Think about Joseph's mindset. This woman has betrayed me. She's committed adultery. We're engaged to be married, and now she's pregnant by somebody. And yet in his righteous indignation, he considers her. He thinks, well, I don't want to make a big deal of this. I don't want to shame her publicly, bring her before the village gates and, and say, I'm divorcing this girl in front of everybody. He just wants to do it quietly. He's a godly man. Don't you agree? Isn't that awesome? I want to be like Joseph. Even if I'm betrayed by somebody, I still want to consider the person by whom I've been betrayed. Joseph shows something else here, a faithful obedience. Folks, if we're going to see the dreams coming, if we're going to see the miracles happening, we have to have the character to be able to handle it. Why would God give you and me a dream if he knows we're just going to blow it off and not do anything with it? We have to be the kind of people who are going to show that faithful obedience, ready to obey God. So in the book of Acts, in this next slide, we see God spoke to Joseph in dreams. He didn't come and have a, an appearance of an angel, which is what Mary had. He just came to him in a dream. And here, I like this picture. It's, it's uh, Joseph up at night with the Jesus baby and uh, calming him down, getting him to go to sleep. But it just reminded me of how this man was the right man to take care of Jesus because he was righteous and he was obedient and he had the dreams. And that reminded me of Acts chapter 2. I will pour out my spirit on all people and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. I want to say that to you, church, your sons and daughters. Maybe you don't care for your daughter too much right now or you're not too happy with your with your son or you think maybe my son just i don't know if i'd ever hear a godly word come out of him but i just want you to have some hope let's cultivate some hope in our heart that god will speak through your sons and daughters your young men will see visions and your old men and women that's some of us here will dream dreams i just want to say god release your dreams into our people right here. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirits in those days and they will prophesy. What's so good about prophesying? Prophesying. The, the definition of prophecy to prophesy is to speak for God. Okay. Uh, we get confused about that word. We think it means predicting the future. You know, what we need, people need a word now for their life. If we could predict the future, you know, oh man, if I could know what's coming, then I could arrange my stocks and and uh, investments so that I could make a lot of money later on. You know, that's kind of, or if I know the future, then I can arrange my life in, order, in a way to handle it. Well, that's fine. But really, what God wants to do is speak into your life now. Joseph needed God to speak to him what to do with Mary. And he got it. He got it because he was going to take care of this child. Praise the Lord's name. Joseph obeyed God. That's our next slide. With every decision and action of Joseph, we see a man who chooses to obey the word of God to him. And this is what makes him a great man. He just, I like this picture because he's leading the, he's leading the donkey. He's saying, we're going this way. This is the way we're going. Follow me, Mary. And she's just sitting there following. You know, a man 
This is the kind of man Joseph is. It's a man in whom resides humility. He was a humble man who will do what the Lord teaches despite the personal embarrassment it may cause. He just did what God said. We need to be like that. Uh, Jack Hayford, uh, who's a major leader in, in the Foursquare movement, once said to a group of pastors, Pastors, you need to get over yourselves, and you just need to be willing to be undignified. And you know he's right, because you know we kind of like to we like to look good. You know, Feast is teaching me how to look good. <laughs> Trying to dress up a little bit. Yes, he's a good example for us. But he, what he was telling the pastors is, you just want people to respect you. You want people to kind of look at you. But God might just want you to get undignified. And he ha- he said that was broken in his life. When he was in the church sanctuary by his, himself, he would do a lot of praying. And he heard the word from the Lord, and it was, dance for me. Now, he was by himself, and I feel this myself. I'm like, you know, I'm learning how to dance with our African brothers and sisters. But I'm not a dancer. I don't know how to dance. And if God spoke to me and just told me, dance for me, I'd feel so foolish. And Jack Hayford explained how foolish he felt. But God was breaking that need to be dignified in front of everybody. And he's just casting his his pride aside, and he danced for the Lord, and it released him, and then God broke through with miracles through his life. we got to obey God if we're going to see the miracles. So in this closing of the passage here, when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did what the angel of the Lord told him. He took his wife, but did not have marital relations with her, meaning he took his wife, meaning he married her. He, He took the shame on himself as though he had made her pregnant, even though he hadn't. And he brought, because they were not allowed to have in that engagement time, even though it's official and formal, there's no sexual relationship until the marriage vows. And that's how we believe today, too. Um, It's not supposed to be outside of the marriage vows. After that is when you can have the sexual relationship. But he he took his wife as though it were his, as though she were his already uh, married, and formally, publicly said, she's my wife. And then when the child's born, he named him Jesus. He had the privilege of naming that child, the most famous name in all the earth. Joseph got to speak the name over him. You know, when we listen to God and we obey his dreams that he gives us, we get to speak the name. We get to speak the truth over whatever it is. And the miracles come forth from that. Joseph was the man God chose to take care of his son. And he gave him the privilege of naming him. Folks, we need Joseph in our church. We need men who are going to have the character to obey. I'm going to ask the women to pray for it. I'm going to call the men to be that. We need men like this who are not going to be spiritually lazy. Men who will not only seek to satisfy their own needs, but consider the needs of his family first. I love that about Joseph. He really took care of his family. We need men who will obey God first and deal with the consequences later. These are the men. This is what I felt God wanted me to say to you today. These are the men who steward the great miracles of God. Men, if we can rise up to be like this, men of character, men of humility, and men who consider the needs of others as more important than our own, we will get to steward the miracles of God. Hallelujah. Women, I need you to pray for this in our church. 
that we will have these kind of men grow into this kind of character in our church. Now, the best thing about Joseph is his obedience. And this is my last statement here today. Joseph had a heart set to obey. Joseph had said yes to God before things even happened. He had that attitude about him. He gets the dream in the morning. He acts. He obeys. We need to be like that. The Bible is full of good examples of men like that. And then I included John 14, 21 on this slide. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. You say you love Jesus. You say you're having a great worship experience in church. But do you do what he says? That's how you show God's love. Joseph was the kind of obedience that said yes to God before the request by God was given. Like Joseph, you and I can become the steward of God's miracles if we also have said yes to God before he even asks anything of us. Just say yes to God. Remember that slogan, just say no (laughs) to drugs? (laughs) I think a better one is just say yes to God. Would you stand with me, please? I just want to declare over you a release of the prophetic and a release of dreams. We're seeing God move in our church. I am so hungry to see it. And you know, God responds to our hunger. When we're hungry for him, when we're hungry to see it, he will move in our midst. And we're beginning to see it. We're beginning to see it happen. In the name of Jesus, I speak over you, church, to have the dreams, to have the dreams. And God, we need those people among us here who have the interpretation to the dreams. You can have a dream, but sometimes somebody else has to interpret it. God uses it that way so that we have to have each other, that we need each other because we're better together, folks. I speak over you to receive the dreams, to have the dreams, to have the prophetic words. In these days, in these days, old men will dream dreams. Your sons and daughters will prophesy in the name of Jesus. Let it come forth from this church. Let it come forth from you. You might think you've got nothing. I reject that thought in Jesus' name. You have the Holy Spirit in you. From the old to the young, children have the Holy Spirit too. There is no junior Holy Spirit. Children can speak prophetically too. Let them speak in Jesus' name. 